<laughs> yeah, this morning I'm going to be going on about gratitude. <laughs> you know, just like going on. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, we are starting a brand new sermon series today called, uh, it's called Thankful. And uh, before I jump in, uh, there's some uh, people in the room that I think would be great for us to show some gratitude towards, especially on this weekend, all of our veterans. And so if you're here and you have served in any branch of the military, we would love to have you stand and just honor you this morning. Anybody here in the room? I know we've got some. Yeah, show them some love. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I know we got some watching online as well, and we just want you to know that we love you, and we're so thankful for your service. And I just encourage you, like even as you're looking around this morning at those standing, take, take some time even this morning after the service, find someone and just say thank you. Say thank you for your service. Well, with it being the month of Thanksgiving, 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 um, <laughs> we're going on about Thanksgiving today, everybody. <laughs> Um, we are going to start, <laughs> we're going to start a sermon series called Thankful Today. And I've actually wanted to do this now for, I guess it's probably been about, I don't know, 10 years of preaching. And um, I've wanted to do this for a while now. We just take November and we just have a, a time where we just look at what it means to be thankful. And I, I, I'm a big believer in just the power of gratitude. And uh, so how this is going to work, though, is we're going to take uh, just—it's going to be a short series. Um, the week after Thanksgiving, we're going to start a Christmas series. But it's going to be—so a three-week series. And two weeks of this series, I'm going to preach. And the last day of the series, which is Thanksgiving weekend—I believe the Sunday is the 28th—you're going to do the preaching. And uh, what I mean by that is uh, we started this a, a few years ago where on Thanksgiving weekend, we just give you an opportunity— to just share some things that you're thankful for, some things that God's been up to in your life. And so what I would love you to begin doing even now is start thinking about what you can share that weekend. I'm just looking for maybe one or two minutes, less if you want. Um, but, but what is it that you're thankful for? What has God been up to in your life? And, 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 and what can you share? And it's so powerful when we take a moment and just give God praise, God glory. We talk about the things that he's up to in our lives because not only does it stir our faith, but it stirs the faith of those around us to hear what God's doing. Every week we come together, we sing songs, we listen to some guy uh, preach, and, uh, but we don't often get to hear about what God is up to. So we're going to do that though November 28th, that Sunday, and just uh, it's going to be a powerful time. So begin thinking right now um, what you can, can, can talk about. Scripture does not hold back um, when it comes to the importance of being thankful. Um, it commands us saying, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in what? In all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, a lot of times in life, um, especially for followers of Jesus, we can get all uptight and worried and anxious about what is God's will for my life? Well, you don't have to look very far because you know that one of the things, according to Scripture, that is His will for your life is that you be thankful. Not just when the sun's out, 
Not just when our football teams are winning, not just when our health is good, our relationships are good, we're, we're feeling good inside. So the Bible says be thankful in all circumstances. And then in Colossians, we're instructed to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, like we've been doing this morning, singing to God with what? With gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You know, when, when kids are little, um, one of the things that as parents you want to teach them as soon as possible, at a very early age, one of the first things you start to teach them is to be thankful. I remember when our kids were little, whenever there was a, uh, an opportunity to teach them that, you're like, uh, someone would give them a gift, and you're like, hey, make sure you say thank you. Someone would make a compliment about their outfit or whatever, he has a cool shirt, and you as a parent would come along and say, hey, what do you say? You're always trying to teach your kids to be thankful and to say thanks. And it's almost like God in Scripture is coming along as our Heavenly Father and saying, hey, don't forget, what do you say? How do you live? What's the right way to respond in every circumstance of life, both good and bad, that life throws at you? He's saying, don't forget to be thankful. Be thankful. And, and I think the reason that he has to remind us is because even as grown adults, it's because we so often forget to be thankful, don't we? When we do that, we end up robbing others of joy. We end up robbing ourselves of joy. We instead end up letting circumstances come in and just fill us with anxiety, with worry, with stress. The song in our hearts, maybe uh, you, you at one time had that desire for God's presence, and, and that song gets robbed, that desire gets robbed, and and rather than acknowledging all the goodness in our lives, we get consumed with how we just wish our lives were different. If only I was healthier. If only my bank account was fuller. If only I had more friends. If only I lived in a sunnier place. If only I had a different boss. I wish I just had this. I wish this. I wish that. You know, the opposite of gratitude is ingratitude. Ingratitude. And if gratitude is acknowledging the goodness in your life. Ingratitude is either ignoring it or flat out rejecting all the goodness in your life. And few things sting more than ingratitude. And I'm sure all of us in the room have experienced ingratitude at some point or another in our lives. You know, you get some, some hard-earned money, and you decide you're going to take that friend out for coffee or out for dinner, and you go through the whole entire meal, and, and you just at the end say goodbye, and there's just no thank you. There's nothing. Or maybe you went out of your way to help a friend move, and you just took a day off, and you just sweat away, and got all that stuff moved out of the house, and, and, and then as you're driving home, you realize, hey, there was, I don't think they said thank you at all. Um, I had a friend who recently uh, wrote up this long, heartfelt email um, to me and several others, and the email was kind of to clear up some confusion, but the email was also just to, just to express gratitude. And it was full of just really kind, thoughtful, encouraging words. Well, it turns out that when it was sent, for some reason, it bypassed almost everybody. There was probably about eight people or so in this, this uh, email. And it bypassed almost everybody's inbox and went straight to their spam, including mine. And so about four weeks after the email was sent, 
I was trying to find an email. You know how sometimes you lose an email and you go and you click in the address bar, the, the address of the person whose email you're, you're looking for, and sometimes it pulls it out of your trash folder or whatever. Well, I did that, and, and it, sh it, it showed me that there was this email from this person in my spam box. And so I, I read it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's this guy thinking? Like, he sent this four weeks ago. Well, it just ha so happened that the day after I sent it, I saw this person in person, and uh, I, I, I emailed him as soon as I opened the email, so I explained to him what had happened. But as we were talking in person, I could see that there was just a lot of disappointment. <laughs> like, I poured out my heart, and there was no gratitude or anything, even though I did explain what happened. But still, there was just, there was ingratitude. And some of you, maybe you work in jobs, and you've been faithfully working in that job year after year. You just give it 110%. It's just you show up early, you stay late, you give it your best. And you never hear a thank you from anybody. Ingratitude stinks. Rejecting or ignoring that good thing you do for someone does not feel good. But even worse than ingratitude is when you do something for someone, and rather than them being thankful, they tell you how you could do it better. <laughs> Have you ever had this happen? You know, you go and maybe you buy, your, you buy, you buy someone a gift. Um, sometimes this happens at Christmas time or whatever, but you go and buy somebody a gift, and you get that hoodie for that person, and they crack it open, and it's the, they tell you about how it's the wrong color. Or, or you go and you, you clean out someone's vehicle, and, and by the time that you're done, they're telling you about how you missed some stuff in the trunk or whatever. Ingratitude, but even worse is when, when it, you're told that you could have done it a little bit better. Ingratitude, though, it stings. And this morning, I want to hang out in a, a story in the Bible, a well-known story if you've been around the church. But in this story, we see how gratitude and ingratitude are both put on full display. And so we're going to be actually in the book of Luke, chapter 17. And this is a story that involves Jesus, his disciples, and ten other guys. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, unless you're around the church, you really don't hear a whole lot about leprosy these days. Um, but it's an infection that, among other things, it leads to the, the damage of the nerves. And today it's not really—there's um, actually a lot of debate about what the Bible was talking about when it describes leprosy. Today, leprosy is known as a—it has a different title, Hansen's disease, I believe. But it's— uh, Leprosy back 2,000 years ago was, was a death sentence. Um, there was no cure. People who had leprosy would experience all kinds of disfigurements of their limbs. Uh, their hands would, would curl up like, 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 like claws. Um, the worst deformities, though, would actually happen because of the resulting nerve damage that would happen. So when you and I go and pick up a pot of, of water that may be sitting on the stove, which you shouldn't be doing— but if you, if you go and do that, um, maybe you're upstairs or maybe you're out of the, the kitchen and you go in and it doesn't look like it's hot, but you go grab that pot of water to get it off the stove, immediately you're going to go, okay, you're going to let go because it's a really hot pan. It's gonna, the pain's going to go searing through your hands. While people who had leprosy would grab that and feel nothing because the, the nerve, their, their nervous system has just completely broken down. And you can imagine how that would cause a lot of injuries, wounds, all kinds of, of terrible stuff. And because leprosy was so awful, and because it was not just awful, it was, it was contagious, people who had leprosy were banished from society. 
He didn't want anybody else to catch it. It was like the original quarantine 2,000 years ago. And what would happen is eventually lepers who were all banned from society, they would form these kind of, uh, these, these colonies where they would all come together and make their own community of, of other lepers. And we see that here in this passage. The men with leprosy, they're outside the village. And we see that as Jesus goes past them, they don't actually come up to Jesus. They, they, they holler at him, the Bible says, from a distance. And they ask him for pity. And what does Jesus say? He kind of gives them a bit of a strange answer. He says, um, go show yourselves to the priests. Jesus, master, have pity on us. And then he says, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, there's a reason that he wanted them to show themselves to the priests. And we look at that and go, okay, what in the world is he talking about? But the, the, the lepers knew immediately what he, was, what he was asking of them here. And the reason was because in those days, when you had a sickness— uh, doctors weren't just involved in the process. Priests were also involved in the process. So if you thought that you had leprosy, what you would do is you would, you would go visit the priest. The priest would, would, would see that it was leprosy or what, that it wasn't leprosy. If it wasn't leprosy, you're given a clean bill of health. You were sent home, whatever. But if, if the priest saw that you did have leprosy, you would be declared unclean and banished from society for the sake of those around you so, that, so they wouldn't get it. Um, either. And the ten men with leprosy in our story, they, they've actually already been through this. At some point in the past, when they woke up one day or whatever was going on in their lives and discovered that their skin looked a little bit different, they would have gone to the priest and the priest in that moment would have declared them unclean and, and banished them out, to outside of society. So why does Jesus tell them to see the priest? It's because he's asking them to literally walk by faith trusting that by the time they get to the priest, they will be healed. Their circumstances at the time probably said, this is a really dumb idea. Didn't make any sense, but because they knew who Jesus was, they obeyed and they went, which by the way is a, a, a whole sermon in and of itself for another day and another time. When Jesus asks you to do something that doesn't make sense, the wrong response is to say, hey, Jesus, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't understand. You need to help me understand why you want me to do this. Why are you asking me to do that? It doesn't make any sense. No, the right response to whatever Jesus is asking you to do is, yes, I'll do it. No explanation needed. Amazingly, all ten of these lepers went. There's no record of them trying to negotiate with Jesus there's no record of them saying, hey, Jesus, uh, we've already been to the priest, and yeah, we really want you to heal us, but can you just, like, you're, you're all-powerful God, can you just do that right here? Like, do we really have to go all the way to the, the priest? We're going to get stairs and all kinds of crazy stuff. There's none of that whatsoever. They just went. And my guess is that as they went, they probably thought, why not? We have nothing, nothing to lose. We've already lost everything. The worst thing that could happen is the priest looks at us a little funny, and then he just rebanishes us to outside of society. You know, it's amazing what God can do in your life when you are at a place where you've got nothing left to lose. It's amazing. When you're at your end, it's often when God is just at his beginning of the work that he wants to do in your life. It's amazing. When you get desperate, you begin to see that you really do need God. And in that place, when you begin to call on the name of the Lord, when you begin to call on the name of God in those desperate situations, God comes and works because God has this thing where taking people's lives, 
taking their circumstances that, that seem like they're dead. And what does he love to do? He loves to come in those circumstances and make them come alive. It's the God that we serve. He says, sees our desperation, and he begins to move. And maybe you're listening to this right now, and you're, you feel like you're at the end. Listen, that just might be the best place for you to be. Because you can, you're, you can move to that place of going, God, I want whatever you have for me because I've got nothing left to lose. Jesus tells the lepers to go to the priest, and next to the Bible says, and as they went, they were cleansed. They didn't even make it to the priest. As they're walking on their way, they were healed. And, and now here's where we start to, to get into gratitude and ingratitude. Next we read that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. Now, I don't know if you were at, at worship night on, on Wednesday night. It was awesome. We were at the Bellingham campus, and Andy, who did a great job of leading worship this morning, was up there on the stage and just like all over the stage dancing. It was awesome. I imagine that's, get a visual, because that's what's happening here in this story. This guy is praising God, loud voice. He's going bonkers. He's no longer banished. His leprosy is gone. That sickness is gone. And so he comes back full of joy, hope, singing, and gratitude. The Bible says he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all the ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? As if to say, the ones that I expected would come back and show gratitude. It kind of like implies that the other uh, nine lepers were most likely um, Jewish guys. It kind of, it's like Jesus was saying, the guys that I expected would come back didn't come back. But the, this, this foreigner, this Samaritan, he came back. And, and with, with his questions, though, Jesus is making an observation. Something is missing. He did something amazing for 10 guys, but only one of them is back to say thanks. And the thing that is missing is gratitude. Now, here's the thing. I am pretty sure that if in this moment, Jesus and this one guy decided, okay, we're going to go track down the other nine and just say, hey, guys, are you not thankful or what's going on here? I'm pretty sure that if Jesus would have done that and found those other nine guys, guess what they would have said? Oh, you kidding me? We're so thankful. We're so thankful for what you've done. Look, we're healed. Of course we're thankful. Their answer would have been, yes, we are thankful. But thinking thoughts of thankfulness is different than expressing thankfulness. Andy Stanley, who's this uh, author and pastor out of Atlanta, he says this. He says, unexpressed gratitude is experienced as ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude is experienced as ingratitude. You know, a phrase that, that we've probably all said or heard at some point or another is just how we need to have an attitude of gratitude. Live with an attitude of gratitude. And this sounds good and everything, but what Jesus is calling out here in this story, in this passage, is that there's actually more to gratitude than just having an attitude. Yeah, attitude matters, but gratitude that ends with, with just attitude doesn't actually come across as gratitude to the recipient. It comes across, like Andy Stanley says, as ingratitude. And like we see with Jesus, when there's ingratitude, the recipient almost always notices. Jesus is like, he, he notices. He's like, hey, where, where, where are the other nine at? Like, one of you is here to say thanks, but where, where are the other nine? 
And with ingratitude, the recipient notices, but the culprit usually doesn't have a clue. Um, the one who doesn't show the gratitude, a lot of times they don't even know. So Becky and I don't usually go to a lot of concerts. Um, I don't know why, but the last th- uh, five months or so, we've been to three concerts. And all of them have been down at Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. And uh, two of the concerts that we were at were worship con- concerts with these pretty well-known worship bands. And then the other concert that we were at, the third one was a Michael Buble concert. And uh, we just kind of, we like all kinds of music. And, uh, um, and, and so, but at, one of the things that was, was uh, interesting about these, two, these three concerts was that two concerts had, were missing something that one of the concerts had. And the thing that the one concert had that the other two didn't have was, was gratitude. And you would think of, of those three concerts, I don't know Michael Buble's spiritual condition, judging by the, the use of foul language and off-color stories, all that kind of stuff, I don't b- think he's a believer. But, but interestingly enough, like what Jesus experienced in this story here, the two that you would think would have over-the-top gratitude didn't, and it was actually Michael Buble that his concert was just, there was gratitude on a level that I just was, I was shocked. And I wouldn't have noticed it, except I'd been to all three of these concerts. So at, uh, it was the worship concert, then it was the Michael Buble concert, then another concert after that. And at the very end of Michael Buble's concert, he just went on and on and on for like five to ten minutes thanking people. He, he went on thanking the security people that were at the front as you're coming in. He thanked the people that were serving uh, drinks. He thanked the people that were serving food. He thanked the people that were helping with the setup. He thanked the people that were helping with the teardown. He thanked the sound guys. He, he thanked his whole setup crew. He just went on and on. And I'm, not, I'm going, I didn't even know there were that many people. I knew it was a big production, but this many people that were involved putting this thing together, he just was so, so, so thankful. And I was like, this is amazing. And here's the thing. The artist at the other two concerts probably didn't have a clue that their lack of gratitude towards all those people that he was thanking was even there. In fact, most people at those concerts probably didn't leave the concerts going, hey, they, they didn't thank the people that were serving drinks. They didn't thank the people that were doing security. But you know who did notice? I guarantee you all the staff at Climate Pledge Arena noticed. In fact, I'm pretty sure that if you went to the staff at Climate Pledge Arena, those, the, the ones that are like the old timers, maybe who've been around 15, 20 years, and you were to say, hey, over the last 15, 20 years, which concerts, which artists have shown, have been the most thankful for you guys? I bet they would probably in a second go, oh, this person, this person, this person, this person, and this person. They were so thankful. And the reason that God the Father, one of the reasons that he reminds us over and over again in his word to be thankful is because he doesn't want us to fall into the category of being people who are blind to their lack of gratitude. Because it can be so easy to be blind to a lack of gratitude. And maybe everybody else sees it, except me. And like a loving parent, God reminds us over and over again, hey, say thank you, be thankful, don't forget to call all the goodness that you have in, in your life. Now, when God asks us to do something, He always has a good reason always. He does not just come along and set these instructions and these guidelines and ask us to do something just because, you know, he's got this, this book called the Bible that he's writing and he wants to fill the pages up with some stuff. No. 
He does that for a good reason. It's so that we might flourish and grow and live life to the full, all to, to His glory and His honor. And when it comes to gratitude, it turns out that there are a few really good reasons for it. First reason is this. Take notes. Three reasons. First is, it shows you don't take that person or what they've done for granted. It shows that you don't take that person or what they've done for granted. I think I've shared this here before, but when I, I spent most of my life, for those of you who don't know, I spent most of my life in Canada, and uh, between age three and, and thir 35, I grew up in Canada, moved back to the, U to, to, um, to the U.S. Uh, when I was 35, and one of the things that stood out to me was just the gratitude. And I don't know if it was uh, just the towns that I grew up in. You know, I grew up in some pretty small towns up in Canada. Or, or I, don't, I don't know what it was, but when I came to, came to America, I was like, wow, there is gratitude on a level that I just had never experienced before. So I would go out with some other pastors or maybe some people from the church, and we'd go out to a coffee shop and sit down and have coffee, uh, put our order in, and right away there was just, hey, there was a, there was a thank you. Or you go out to a, a restaurant, and it, as your food is being brought, the people that I was with are saying thank you to the person who was serving the food. Now, you might be going, yeah, Rich, everybody does that. But I had actually never seen that before. And my thinking had always been, well, that's, that's their job. I'm paying them to serve me. And you know what that is? That's called entitlement. <laughs> that's, calling, that, that's called, you owe me something. Which, by the way, is the polar opposite of gratitude. It's, it's taking people for granted. It's taking people for granted. Um, middle school and high school students, you want to absolutely shock your parents? Start going over the top with gratitude. Because I think the lesson that all of us in this room have, whether you're a student or you're, you're, you're older, um, one of the lessons that we all had to learn at some point was that our parents, um, even, even if you had a, a bad experience growing up, they did a lot for us that we have to be thankful for. And at some point, you realize something clicks in and you go, oh, my parents actually did a lot for me. And if you want to go over the top and just shocking your parents, show them a lot of gratitude. Hey, Mom, Dad, you know, I was thinking, you know, i just been— thinking lately about how you just work so hard. I just, I just appreciate, I'm so thankful for the way that you provide for our family. They'll be like, wow. <laughs> Mom, you know that meal was so delicious. Thank you so much for the way that you just, you give of yourself over and over and over again. You will bless their socks off if you do that. Listen, don't take the people in your life for granted. Do not take the people in your life for granted. Don't take God for granted. God has done such great things for us. It's why Scripture commands us, enter His gates with complaining, with grumbling, with negativity. Enter His gates with thanksgiving in His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name because in Christ you have hope. In Christ you have been set free. In Christ you don't have to carry around guilt and shame. In Christ you can have peace. You have joy. You have a friend who sticks closer than any other. Be quick. Be quick to say thank you. Be quick to say thank you. Don't take, don't take, don't take the people in your life and the things that they've done for you for granted. Number one reason why thankfulness is so important. 
Another reason why gratitude is important is because gratitude places you in a posture of humility. Now, if we could just be really honest this morning, I think one of the reasons that gratitude doesn't flow as much as it should in our lives is, if we're honest, it's pride. Stinking pride. And gratitude says, I don't really need you. You know, I could have done that by myself. I could have gotten that meal or that coffee anywhere. I'm a self-made person. I did this. I put in the work. And if you look closely, you'll usually see that pride and ingratitude are usually like two peas in a pod. They're usually kind of there together somewhere. Because gratitude is an admission of weakness because you're saying, I couldn't have done this without your help. And we don't know for sure what the other nine lepers in the story were thinking, but, you know, maybe, maybe as they're like, they, they found that they're healed, may, maybe they're going, hey, that, yeah, we like, that was a pretty big step of faith that we took there. And, you know, we, he didn't heal us on the spot. And we, we decided that we we're going to have faith and courage and just go walking off to the, I don't know what they were thinking. But when you have gratitude, it places you in a, a, a posture of humility. Gratitude and pride do not go together. And I think all of us in this room, um, we all struggle with pride on a certain level, if we're honest. All of us. Um, I'm sure there might be some here that are going, no, not me. I'm, I'm pretty stinking humble. <laughs> How's that working out for you? <laughs> and if you want to get victory over pride, a very practical step you can take is to begin to express more gratitude. Express more gratitude. Be a person that's thankful. Because it places you in a posture of humility. And the last reason why gratitude is important is because gratitude, it opens up your soul to joy. It opens up your soul to joy. I have two uh, family members who work in a retirement home. Um, Becky and my oldest daughter, Tori, they both work in a retirement home. And this last week, I just thought, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just curious in this sermon series here. And um, I asked, I, I've got three, three of, three, Three in my home that are in people work. Um, Tori and Taylor in the retirement home, and Taylor serves coffee at Cruise and Coffee. So I was asking them about just gratitude, and, and I was curious with Taylor, asked her, what, what's it like at Cruise and Coffee? Do most people, like, they get their coffee and they say thank you, or do most people just, like, grab their coffee and run? And, and I asked uh, uh, Becky and, and Tori, I'm like, what's it like? So you work in a retirement home that has 200-ish residents? What is it like for the, like, think about the people in your retirement home that you would go, okay, these are people that have a lot of gratitude, and these are the people that don't. What is the difference, is there a difference between the people that have gratitude and the people that don't? And their, their response was both a fairly emphatic, something along the lines of, oh yeah, There's, there is a difference. The people who show gratitude, who are thankful, they tend to have more peace, they tend to be less anxious. They tend to be less uptight about the silliest little things. There's just, there's a difference. And of course, all the behavioral sciences have caught up with this and have proven that this is scientifically true. One of the guys who originally studied the link between gratitude and joy was this guy named Hans Selye. He's known as the father of stress research. Well, way back in 1975, he did a study that revealed, and I quote, physical and emotional stress is reduced most effectively not by success, pleasure, or even love. Stress is best reduced when we feel grateful. Grateful. The, 
good things that God gives you in life, pleasure, love, success, family, God's gifts alone will not bring you joy. What brings you joy is when you join those things that he's done for you, you join them with gratitude. You see, thankfulness, it actually is rejoicing. It is rejoicing. It's celebrating something good in your life as opposed to complaining about something in your life that you don't like. Thankfulness is rejoicing. Joy and rejoicing are kind of the same thing. And, and, and just like pride, complaining and gratitude, they cannot coexist. Try it sometime. You just can't be thankful and complain at the same time. Boy, that sure is a, I wish it was not sunny today. It's so beautifully sunny out there. I wish it was raining. It doesn't even make sense. They do not go together. Charles Spurgeon, he said, the, the, the man, that man is truly happy who can say of all his substances, be it little or be it much, the Lord gave it to me. The Lord gave it to me. But here's the thing, an attitude of gratitude, just, it, it's not enough. You have to put the gratitude into practice. One of the authors that I love to read, um, her name is Brene Brown, and uh, I've got a few of her books, and this, this book is called The Gifts of Imperfection, and uh, she, she approaches the whole there's thankfulness and gratitude more from a, uh, um, uh, not, not necessarily from a Christian approach, but she says some, some great things about gratitude and vulnerability, all kinds of different things. But she, she talks about gratitude in this book, The Gifts of Perfection, and she talks about this whole way of thinking that we sometimes have that it's, it's good enough just to have an attitude of gratitude. And this, this is what she, she says. She says, For years I subscribed to the notion of an attitude of gratitude. I've since learned that an attitude is an orientation or a way of thinking and that having an attitude doesn't always translate to a behavior. For example, it would be reasonable to say that I have a yoga attitude. The ideals and beliefs that guide my life are very in line with the ideas and beliefs that I associate with yoga. I value mindfulness, breathing, and the body-mind-spirit connection. I even have yoga outfits, but let me assure you, my yoga attitude and outfits don't mean jack if you put me on a yoga mat and ask me to stand on my head or strike a pose. <laughs> As I'm sitting here writing this, I've never practiced yoga. I plan to change that between now and the time you're holding this book in your hand, but to date, I've never put the attitude into action. So where it really matters on the mat, a yoga attitude doesn't count for much. So what does a, a gratitude practice of gratitude look like? And she goes on to talk about some things that different people that she's interviewed actually do to put gratitude into practice, things like uh, gratitude journals, doing a daily gratitude uh, prayer, creating gratitude art. I don't know what that is, but... Um, <laughs> um, even stopping during their stressful, busy days to actually say these words out loud, I'm grateful for. But then she goes on to say, when the wholehearted talk about gratitude, there, there are a whole bunch of verbs involved. It seems that gratitude without practice may be a little like faith without works. It's not a lie. And what are you doing to put gratitude into practice? What does it look like in your life? How can you shift from a posture of complaining? Maybe it's not even complaining. Maybe it's just as you stop and think about it, you're like, yeah, I probably don't notice and acknowledge the, the, the people in my life with gratitude nearly as much as 
as I would like to. You know, I might, I'm probably more like those, those artists at the Climate Pledge that didn't necessarily have bad intentions, but they just didn't even think about acknowledging with gratitude the people that, that had done so much to serve and to help out with their show. You're going, I, wanna, I want that to change. Well, I think it actually starts with going, I want to have, with having that attitude of gratitude, going, yeah, there is so much in my life. There's so many good things in my life. And all of us in the room watching online, you have so many good things in your life. You really do. You really do. What are you going to do to start showing some thankfulness for that? Maybe you're in the room and you, you're, you're the, the, the way for you to start is today you find that family member that you just go, I've just have taken that person for granted. And you just say, hey, I just want you to know I'm thankful for fill in the blank. Maybe it's someone in this church. Wow, there's so many people in this, this church family that we have to be thankful for. You know, this, what, what we have here on a Sunday morning, different programs that we have, they don't just happen. It's because people in our church love to serve and even when they don't love it, it's not always easy. They just, they, they keep serving. They keep giving. We have people that, that Sunday morning, they're here early getting ready and, and cleaning up. And, and maybe you just, you just come and show up and you don't even think to stop and say, hey, thank you for doing this, this, or whatever that might be. You got to start somewhere. How can you start saying thankful, saying thank you? Some of you students, maybe it's this week after your math class, you go up to your math teacher and say, hey, thank you, Mr. or Mrs. for just the great job you do of teaching us math. Have you ever thought about that? That some teacher just, they put in some time and energy. They don't have to do that, but they do that anyways. Where are you going to start with, with showing some gratitude? Where are you going to start but make that shift Determine. I'm going to make that shift. I'm going to be a person that shows gratitude. Maybe it's, maybe it's first thing in the morning. I've been trying to do this, 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 this knowing that the sermon series is coming up. First thing in the morning, as my eyes open, I don't want to be, uh, my natural thing first thing is in the morning is to go, oh, I just want to lay in my bed. It's so nice and comfy and it's so cold and whatever, and which is, you kind of start off by complaining in a way. So I thought, okay, what I'm going to do differently, I'm going to try to do differently Maybe I need to set an alarm or find an alarm that says, be thankful, be thankful. And that's how you wake you up. But I'm trying to start the day off by just as I'm laying there in bed, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this beautiful lady that's laying beside me. Thank you for my family. Thank you. But do something. What are you going to do to be thankful? Make that shift. Make that shift. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. God, we're here this morning, God, not just to gather and to support one another and, and, and to encourage one another, but God, we're here today, God, as your church, to just declare that, God, you're good, and we have so much to be thankful for. You've been so good to us. You've blessed us with more than we could ever, ever hope, imagine, or possibly deserve. Lord, thank you for the cross. God, thank you that you poured out your, your love by sacrificing your life so that, so that we could have freedom, so that we could have eternal life. You did not have to do that. God, we say thank you for that. God, thank you for the way that you, 
you, you continually draw us to yourself. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. When we are unfaithful, you don't change. You remain faithful. It never changes. Lord, thank you for this church. God, thank you for the way that you've brought this church together. God, thank you for all the, the, the men and the women, the students, God, that make up this church family. God, thank you for those that just give and they serve and they, they do it. Just, just a heart of love for you, a heart of love for people. God, we have so much to be thankful for. And God, I want to pray, Jesus, that, Lord, you would, God, help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to be people that are just continually full of gratitude. God, help us as we go into our week, God, to, to be different this week. God, help us to have eyes that are open, God, to all the, the people in our lives that we have to be thankful for. God, even as we go to grocery stores and coffee shops, our workplaces, um, God, what, wherever it might be, God, help us to just go with a new, a new lens, a, a lens of gratitude where we are just full of thanksgiving, God, for those people that, that you've put in our lives. God, help us to be thankful people. Help us to be thankful people. God, help us to be like this one healed leper in this story. God, it probably was an inconvenience. I don't know, but God, he went, he went back, the Bible says. He didn't just go on his way with an attitude of gratitude, thankful in his heart for what you had done. No, he went back to express out loud that he was thankful. And God, I pray that you would make us those kinds of people. Help us to be people who are full of gratitude. Full of gratitude. In all circumstances, in all circumstances, may we acknowledge and see the good things in our lives and express thanks for them. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to give you an opportunity this morning as we wrap up to pour out your heart with gratitude. And we're going to sing a song that has become a song that we just really love around our church. And so I'm going to invite you to stand, and as we sing this song, the ushers are going to come, and we're going to give you an opportunity to, to give back to God. And by the way, when you give back to God, some of how He's blessed you, that's, that is an, in itself an act of gratitude. You're saying, God, thank you for the way that you have blessed me. God, thank you for the job that you gave me. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you, you pour your heart back up to God by saying, God, I just want to give back to you some of how you blessed me. So let's worship Jesus this morning. Let's just pour out a heart of thankfulness this morning as we, as we leave with this, this song of praise. God bless.